0: Welcome to Around the IT Block Podcast, presented by HPE. I'm your host, the IT Oddfather, Calvin Zito. This is podcast number 14. This podcast is really a recording of an event that happened on Twitter. Twitter does something called Twitter Spaces. It's basically like a live podcast where you can have an audience of people and have a conversation and bring people into the conversation. And I recently hosted one of those Looking at the topic of unified data analytics, on September 28th, we had a number of announcements. One of those announcements was around HPE Ezmeral and unified data analytics and how we are bringing that as a solution through HPE GreenLake. There's a couple places during the conversation where we had an audio drop, but I think you'll still get the context, and it really is a great conversation, so I wanted to be sure we could use this. The two guests joining me are Holger Mueller. Holger is an independent analyst that works for Constellation Research and Matt Macau, who is a CTO in our HPE Esmeral team. So let's jump to the conversation with them introducing themselves.
1: Yeah, more than happy to a small boutique industrialist firm called Constellation Research. They cover what this umbrella term is an enterprise acceleration. Companies have to become more agile, move faster. And I have two areas in that one focused on people, but don't worry, we're going to talk about these things today. And the other one is all about technology, how technology is changing and helping companies to move faster. Matt, why don't I have you introduce yourself as
2: well? thanks, Calvin. Uh, so yeah, my name is Matt McCoe and I'm the CTO for HPE's Esmeral Software Group, which is part of GreenLake Cloud Services. And in, in my role, I work with organizations all around the world, uh, at, talking to them about their digital transformation journey and the steps they need to take to really bring those traditional data platforms into a cloud native approach. Uh, there's, there's no real definitive answer for, for how this, the, really the future state for those platforms. There's lots of options out there and lots of different things that organizations are considering. And so, I, what I think is interesting is it, across all industries, we see a common set of patterns and anti-patterns as these organizations move forward. And I just love talking to them about how we can get from their current state, where they are today, to that next state of making more money, uh, giving better care to their patients, or whatever outcome their organization is driving for.
0: That's great. I appreciate that introduction, um, Holger. Let me come back to you. Uh, you know the the whole space of analytics and uh, data cloud services. is kind of going crazy. Tell us what you see happening in this space. Yeah, (laughs) let's face it. I mean, everybody keeps talking about how data is the new oil. Data is the lifeblood of the infrastructure. Some of those conversations, when people keep hearing those words, they kind of roll their eyes and they look the other direction. Let's make this real for people. What's going on in the space and what are you seeing? Yeah, that's a great question. And absolutely, you. people are rolling their eyes. There's definitely some big
1: data fatigue happening. Uh, and people are not looking at everything as it could be looking and should be looking at it. But really, if you peel the onion back and go back to the breakthrough on, on data analytics has been the innovation which came out of Yahoo and others originally around Hadoop uh, ability, which did two fundamental things for people, which is um, they could store for the first time everything, all the information they get told of, might it be the systems of records, the shiny digital artifacts, or might it be just exhaust files around blogs and other things, social media, whatever it might be, I would often call the digital exhaust, right? And for the first time, you could store all this in an economic way without going out of business just for storing it. You didn't have to ask, what is the information? The second, even more relevant breakthrough was, you did not need to know the time when you store that information, how you wanted to analyze it, yeah? And that's, that's the key aspect of that, because in the past, right, the vehicle for analytics used to be the venerable data warehouse. Which, interesting enough, and not the topic here has seen a comeback as well. And that's interesting, bridges over to big data. And what is giving all these uh, technologies a comeback is what I call, which we are in the era of infinite computing. right? For the first time, enterprises don't have to go out there and size their kind of mainframe, their hardware, uh, their servers anymore. right? They can rely on the cloud technologies, which allow them to scale uh, in a way where they don't have to say how many things they have to do. And much of the big name, big uh, reputation that big data has acquired these days comes from the time that was implemented on finite compute resources, right? It was implemented on premises. It was implemented on servers which uh, wouldn't run with cloud technology. So you had an infinite technology meeting finite pieces, and that doesn't end up well. And didn't end up well for data lakes on premises. And now the cloud technology has arrived, and uh, this is a new boom, just not in the way how the original players in the market. Uh, I'm not sure if you went mention names, right? Like Cloudera and HortonWorks were giving. Me if I shouldn't, right? They, of course, are struggling right now because they went too long on premises and they went for an open source implementation around service. And this is really a software license business to if companies died, right? And the other key thing is that open source clearly has won, right, with Hadoop from the original start. And now, the super interesting, exciting thing, but uh, by my friend here on the call, Matt, is the right person to talk about that more, is that these cloud technologies capabilities combined with what open source has done for data specifically, but everything in general for platforms is coming back to on premises.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with that, Holger. And I, uh, you know, the, the, the initial saying, you know, data is the new oil. I, I think that is kind of a, it's looking at old school, right? Because you got to extract your oil. You have to refine your oil. You have to send your oil somewhere else. It's very data warehouse-y, ETL-y in, in nature. And I think organizations, uh, we're comfortable with that, but now we're looking at more distributed data rather than trying to follow these rigid processes, actually building products around the data in those areas, which means data is kind of like sunshine. It's it's sort of everywhere in the organization and capturing that data and doing something with it. Yeah, Maybe we need to process it in some sa- shape or form, but being more agile with that. And, and as you said, Holger, open source technologies are are the ones winning out. And we see organizations, though, sort of sort of corrupting that approach. They're taking the open source and then they're p- providing proprietary optimizations on top of that. And I think that's a little risky. Uh, I, th- I think it's a little risky because just going from a legacy warehouse to a modern warehouse, both of which are proprietaries, not necessarily gonna help these organizations scale this function long-term. It's going to be another boat anchor of cost for them. So th- this is why I like to talk to organizations about embracing the data where it exists, processing and exploiting it where it exists. Again, whether I'm delivering better patient care in the doctor's office right after an image was taken, you know, using an MRI machine, uh, without all the heavy clunky back office, I've got to submit this through. I think that's how modern organizations are thinking about. But from an IT perspective, that's, that's really hard, right? That's really, really hard to do because I have different departments, different users, different sets of tools and I've got my data everywhere, so that's that's why we like to talk about this concept of unified analytics. This this concept of delivering this capability everywhere. So I'll, I'll pause there. I'm I'm curious, uh, Holger, as you look, I guess, further into this space, how do you see organizations trying to tackle this concept of unifying that experience across the enterprise?
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you said, Matt. Here, except for one thing: boat anchors are very, very important. As a sailor, I have to correct that, right? If, if you lose your anchor, you can't sail, right? So, so, okay, so I like the, the, cost, the cost analogy was right, but let's not give a bad reputation to, to boat anchors. That was super important. No, you're absolutely right, right? Companies need to have these large data planes, often called data meshes, to basically be able to give the questions nobody has asked before, right? We're in this, this schizophrenic situation that business executives are still in the situation of thinking, oh, that's what I want to know about business, right? It has to be turned around to data finding insights and pulling the user into those insights, right? These self-driving insight systems or autonomous systems are really what's happening because there's another combination, not just the data, right? There's cheap compute from the cloud, which allows you to ask these random questions, random connections, but for that to work, you can't have your data stored in 101 places, right? To help to hear the 101 story nights or something from that, right? It has to be multiple places. It's great that we live in a hybrid world uh, and that there's ways of federating data and finding that data, but But it has to be in a way where the data can be accessed quickly and to find to these questions which we have not asked before, but are relevant for business to do better, to accelerate, to transform their spaces, to disrupt their competitors. That's what's really interesting and relevant.
0: Holger, let me come back to you. You've been watching HPE. You've watched the industry. You've seen what we've been doing, uh, you know, what, a little over three years ago that Antonio Neri, our CEO, got up on stage and said, we're going to turn everything into a service September 28th, we have this announcement where we talk about HPE GreenLake, the edge to cloud platform, and then focus really in on delivering unified data analytics via GreenLake. From your perspective, what do you see as the customer benefits to a solution like this delivered on GreenLake?
1: So, so very relevant. I mean, three, four years ago, I mean, HPE was kind of like uh, I don't want to sound too negative, but was kind of like on his deathbed, right? So uh, it wasn't clear what the future platform would be, uh, what the elements would be. The company got right-sized to a certain point, where right? the public cloud ambition has fought, faltered at the time. So it's, it's a great turnaround comeback. And I think GreenLake has rallied uh, not only HPE employees and uh, HPE product focus, but also the customer to say, oh, there's a way forward. There's things which are happening. Now, it's very good to see that you use many of the acquisitions you use, and Matt can talk about this more in detail, which are behind the data analytics offering which you guys launched just a few weeks ago and that's very very important because for many reasons data might not be sitting always in the cloud right and the main three reasons for that is uh, first of all there's legislation reasons right data residency data privacy which requires you to run it on premise there is um, um, performance reasons, right? anybody of us who's ever been on the Southern Hemisphere and touched ground and want to get to the email uh, is surprised how long it takes to get to your email server on the other hemisphere. Uh, the speed of light is fast, but not fast enough to run certain things. And then last but not least, there's companies who simply don't want to operate uh, on, on in the cloud yet because they're not comfortable for the reason there might be no local cloud data centers. So it's really good to see, very important to see that the GreenLake platform provides these infinite insights capability through using open source, through allowing companies to provision in a dynamic way, through paying for what they just use and enabling all these key insights and capabilities.
0: Matt, let me come back to you. I mean we've hinted around the the offerings with HPE. One of the big components of the announcement we had on September 28th was the HPE Esmeralda Unified Analytics. Talk a little bit about that from a standpoint of customers using that within a GreenLake approach. How, how does that help them solve problems that they are dealing with today?
2: Yeah, it's 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 a good question. Uh, to, to peel back from the, the messaging, th- this concept of Unified Analytics is an acknowledgement that... Th- every organization is going to be hybrid in some shape or form with with their data. They're already hybrid, but maybe perhaps they're not exploiting the hybrid capabilities as the best they probably should. Like Holger said, compute cheap uh, in the cloud. Data storage is not quite as cheap in the cloud. Yes, I can persist my data in a cold object store, but if if I really need to process that data and store lots and lots of data to to train my sophisticated models, perhaps the public cloud is not the best place to do that. Even if we get past our regulatory compliance and privacy issues, there's a cost component there that, that doesn't necessarily make things better for the organization. So what HPE is offering through unified analytics is the cloud experience where the data exists. That could be out at the edge, uh, but oftentimes it's in the client's data center, which theirs or a colo, and it's bringing those cloud data services that they need to be able to monetize or exploit or better take advantage of their data. Whether we're talking about doing traditional or ad hoc reporting uh, with our you know, traditional business intelligence or data analytics, which most organizations are doing against data warehouses today. But that, that next generation of analytics that um, l- looking at uh, how we do data science uh, and then operationalizing that, at some point in that journey, we've got to touch those very large data sets. And doing that either, again, on-premises, I, I hate saying the word on-premises so often, but that's where most of the data still exists. Being able to process and uh, be able to run analytical models, training models, and do inferencing against those very, very large data sets is absolutely critical to the life cycle of modern data science workloads. You may push that model, you may push that algorithm, or enable that application out at some edge location, but it always comes back to how do I make this model more intelligent? And that is training it against very, very, very large data sets. And so bringing that intelligence to the data and then being able to push that intelligence back out is what unified analytics is all about. Ensuring these different personas have the right tools. Whether it's a data engineer who wants to leverage the latest lake house technology using Delta Lake libraries, they need to be able to spin up and provision those libraries so that they can persist that data in the object store. We need to support our data science users with their common notebooks and those data analytic users with that SQL interface. That's the experience that we're trying to drive. And so HPE GreenLake Cloud Services is delivering those same capabilities and outcomes where that data exists. Does that make sense? Did that really touch on what you were looking for? I think it did.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about the, the platform. One of the Big values, and not to go too deep technically, because I don't want us to do that with the audience and lose folks here, Matt, but let's talk a little bit about the um, Esmeral data fabric. And you know, part of what we announced was also having an object store as part of that uh, file and object store. What's the value and the differentiation that that Esmeralda data fabric brings to the platform?
2: Uh, So I'm going to use a a word that Holger used earlier, data mesh, is really the concept that that our product called a data fabric is implementing, which is think of having data across these various locations, whether it's in my various edge locations on, again, in a clinician's office, in a hospital, in the trunk of a car, in autonomous driving scenario, in a manufacturing facility... All of those are edge locations where data is being created and perhaps analyzed and acted upon. And then I have my marts and my ponds and my lakes, and and we need to have a connective tissue to tie those things together. We need a common metadata layer that describes what that data is, where it's made available, who's allowed to access it under what conditions. That data fabric is what ties those things together, and and HPE has a product called Data Fabric that does just that. And what's important here is that we don't expect organizations or even want them to do a massive refactoring of their applications. And so this data fabric exposes that underlying data through common set of APIs, whether it's S3 to be able to put data in objects because that's what the Delta Lake needed. It wanted to go to an S3 object uh, store. It needed an HDFS repository for that traditional Hadoop sort of scenario or a SQL interface, et cetera, et cetera. So the data fabric is, is really those two things. It is the connective tissue that ties together the data localities and persistent locations, as well as providing those common open APIs so that that data is not locked into a proprietary system.
0: Holder, you heard what Matt had to say. Uh, I mean, what would you add to that from an industry perspective, given the industry watching you do?
1: Uh, couldn't add much more to what uh, Matt uh, said. He didn't do any bad uh, maritime analogy, so I'm totally fine <laughs> with this notice. Joking apart, right? So so that's exactly what you want to have, right? You want to have this uh, data mesh, data fabric, uh, where you automatically have access to all the data which is relevant for that, and you want that to span across on-premises and the public cloud. So that's exactly what enterprises need to get those insights, which we've been talking about before. So much to add to what but he just said it's exactly down the, uh, the lighthouse or the course to stay in the maritime land, some course which uh, enterprise want to take with their data and the insights they want to derive from those.
0: Matt, let's talk a little bit about customer use cases. I've been with HPE a long, long time, and almost all of my career has been spent in traditional IT and running databases, running web servers. This is really a different space. This is really a very different space, and I think the typical customers that HPE used to talk to... Is really quite different when we're talking about unified uh, analytics. Talk to talk to that. I mean, what what? It's it's not traditional IT at all. Even even though what HPE is doing is breaking the mold of traditional IT, moving yep. into green like making it a cloud experience. But this is even different than that. Talk about what what that differences are.
2: It, it is, and and so there's still the traditional IT component because that's that HPE's got these partnerships, and we've had these partnerships for a long time. What what really. Emerged from this space is that IT came to HP and said, We need help addressing the needs of our business. We are not able to innovate fast enough. We are not able to keep up with the technology trends. We're, we're really good at running our data centers, but as we move up the stack, the technology is moving way too fast for us. So, can you help us deliver this set of cloud services using open source technologies to deliver these use cases? And also, Help us go partner with those organizations as they go do that. So uh, so here's a, here's a f- few of my favorite business-focused use cases. I love talking to data scientists. And one of my favorite projects was working with a large bank as they were looking to scale their data science function. They had sort of figured out the data warehouse and had a quasi-data lake strategy in place. But they were going from 2 to 12 to 200 data scientists over a two-year period. And they were really struggling with how they were going to provide that access to data for those various users. And the traditional IT approach was, well, let's just create a bunch of copies. Let's copy, 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 copy. And HPE, as a vendor that sells infrastructure, said, well, we could sell you a lot of storage for that, but there's probably a more clever way for us to solve this problem. Using modern technologies, your data scientists looking to decrease fraud through banking transactions should have that space where they can get access to that data with a click of a button so that they can then go through that model development lifecycle. And I don't have all the details on all the use cases, but we effectively helped them scale from two to 200 data scientists so that those various lines of business from treasury and risk and commercial banking could all accelerate forward. That's just one example. Uh, On the other end of the spectrum, healthcare providers are another interesting space where they've got this mismatch of technology, a lot of proprietary systems, EMRs, um, imaging systems that are very locked in in terms of access to data. But we have these clinicians as well as researchers as part of some of these hospitals that want to deliver better patient care. Uh, Using that example I mentioned earlier, if I could have that image from an X-ray or an MRI that was taken in the imaging department down the hall, brought up on my screen, as well as side by side with my patient records, and maybe run some artificial intelligence against that image to do an initial screen for cancers or other types of diseases, then perhaps as a doctor, I can provide better care in that exact moment. And that's what big data is all about. Big data is not about the big, the collect everything. It's about that very fine moment, that that moment in time where I have all of the information readily available, so, that we can make a decision, whether it's a doctor making a decision about a patient's care, whether it's about an autonomous driving car to brake because they see something in the road, it's about these very fine moments of decisions. And it, so, that requires this life cycle of analytics where at times I need to collect petabytes and petabytes of data. And at other times, I need to push very small applications out to where the decision is going to be made. And that end-to-end approach is fundamentally enabled by technology. But the merging of technology and business and, and how technology actually is part of the business is where a lot of organizations struggle. And so HPE is really helping smooth that gap, help that transition from these organizations that are, they've had their traditional brick and mortar banks, right? They lend you money, they borrow money to being digital
0: organizations. And that brings into my mind, this whole idea of transformation. I think it's another one of those words that people rolled their eyes. It's like, here comes another vendor talking about transformation and I, I'm bought in. It's not, it's, it's not gobbledygook. It's not, it's really what's important for customers to be able to take advantage of this new world we're in and be able to use that data in the way you just kind of described some, with some customer examples, Matt, the transformation is important. And so I, I'm, I'm really cautious of marketing gobbledygook words and jumping on bandwagons totally. and these things are absolutely real. And uh, I think it's good that they're coming to light through conversations like this. I think we've got somebody that wants to speak. Moises, I think you're up if you yeah. want to unmute your phone.
3: Thank you. Uh, well, yes, uh, I was just listening, and uh, I, I always take care or much care of the end user perspective. And uh, well, part of the issue of making unified data analytics work as uh, we're discussing, is uh, to make faster and uh, more confident decisions, uh, to be able to anticipate and uh, respond to the unexpected uh, issues that will happen on any business, uh, and uh, probably to even have some savings by being able to cut costs on different basic issues on uh, processes and uh, planning. So um, in this uh, type of uh, things that are of much interest to any end user, uh, how would uh, this uh, perspective of uh, HP is working out? Uh, That is, uh, 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 for instance, as the volumes of data increase, it will be nearly impossible to quickly and uh, precisely process business data and spot hidden trends. And those hidden trends are the ones that uh, might give you the competitive advantage. So I would like to go deeper into that if you can, what are the diffusion the of this unified data analytics and AI, for instance, if you can get deeper into that, please.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You raise a good question that the data is coming so fast and in, in such a variety of forms, as, as Holger mentioned, we have to apply machine learning techniques to really be able to gauge insights into that. We, can't, we cannot rely upon humans to be able to sort through that. And so what we have to do is we've got, and I think Holger might probably want to talk about it, is we've got to get the right people in place with the right skills. And it's not just one person. We just don't go hire some single brilliant data scientist and expect them to solve this. We need lots of different skills and personas to be able to understand the data, process that, build algorithms, train those models, and then and then step away so that those models run in an unsupervised manner, HPE is providing the underlying technology, both from the infrastructure that sits there, loaded with GPUs and the drivers from NVIDIA and Intel, to the software layers, so that these users can simply get to work. And so if we put the right infrastructure in place around being able to process that information, then we can put that skilled labor, those humans to work so that they can be more productive. And, it, and at the end of the day, HPE is doing this in a way that helps you optimize the compute and the storage is there so that the storage doesn't get out of control. Not having to copy that data all over the place, but doing clever things around snapshots and connecting into remote systems allows us to keep the costs control, and then providing those productivity tools so that those different personas can get to work and get to work more efficiently. At, at the end of the day, it's about providing productivity for the humans
1: and efficiency for the systems. Holger, did, did you want to add on to that? Yeah, no, you made some great points and great question for Moises as well. Uh, this mm. is way too hard for people just to do it for fun, right? Uh, so it's really important um, that uh, you don't forget what the the, the the ultimate goal of this is, which is the outcome, which is the insight, which triggers an action and automates it. And the beauty is, we talked about this, uh, not so much, but also a little already, is that the automation happens with machine learning and or artificial intelligence, depending on marketing ghibli-gog, to quote Zito, Uh, before calvin here as he called it before i'm not sure if you pronounce it right but it is clear that the the enterprise who has more data available and can throw more data at their machine learning algorithms which i personally prefer because i think we're not an ai yet will do better right and if that better will translate into more successful customers more revenue happy employees better suppliers that remains to be seen if they do it right, then of course it will result in all of the above. And that's really the the interesting situation that you can't wait not to create this data mesh, data capability, data fabric, uh, because it's not about the old insights which you used to have on OLAP, roll up, and whatever in the past empowering end user to make their departmental decision anymore. This is about enterprise wide insights which have never been tapped in before. And if you don't provide this, you should be worried that your competitor may, and will do, and will out execute you based on these insights, which we've never seen before, right? It always reminds me if I can add this, right? Uh, data mining, right? Data mining success story was why should retailers move the beer next to the diapers, right? Uh, after six PM or something, it's because the dads were driving home, right? We're in stereotypical nineties, and uh, the, the moms would call and say, "Hey, we need diapers, right? The emergency is there." And what would the dad also buy? He would of course buy beer, right? Nobody arranged things together in that way. Right, we we need this beer and diapers moment for the enterprise in 2021, and that's what we uh, need the data plane for.
0: Well, beer and diapers certainly isn't marketing gobbledygook, Holger. So I, I like that a lot. Beer and diapers. I'm gonna I'm writing that down right now, Matt. I'm I'm kind of a, well, I, I like seeing things and being able to understand them better. And this this whole world of analytics is still a little fuzzy to me. The examples you give me have been great. Is there like another customer use case that maybe for people that are like me, like examples that that would help uh, bring us to life?
2: Yeah, let's go back to the, the techniques on how we get to that example, and then how we optimize it. So Holger mentioned beer and diapers, which is, is classic. But so someone came up with that theory, either they were looking at the data, or they spotted trends. And then someone said, well, let's try it. Right. And so a, a store tried it. And then they looked actually, at the actually, sorry
1: to jump in. It was by accident. It was by accident. The, so, so the anecdotal story goes out of a UK retailer, I'm not sure if it was Tesco or anybody else, was that they were refurbishing and they left. One of, I don't know how they call it in English, it's my mother language, right? But then you have these heavy loads of beer cans moving them and they stop for whatever reason in front of the diapers and they notice people were picking up beer cans and the diaper at the cash register. And that was the aha moment. Then the technology came around with data mining to find it. Now we're right. in the situation where we can say, "Why are these people showing up only buying two items? Maybe we should move them closer to them." Sorry to jump in, but just no, just no, to but, go back to the history here. No. that's a great point. So that
2: so then people start asking, "Why? Why do these trends occur?" And in in the physical world, it takes a long time to be able to adjust. Do we move this product versus this ne- this other product, and then let it test for a week? Do we try it against these different sources? All of these physical limitations with with time and physical resources. As we move into the machine learning world, we can do tests at basically real-time speed. So I love talking about autonomous driving because I think it is one of the more complex challenges that that technology and humans and data science have to solve for. You, you think about these edge scenarios where if a horse runs into the road, the car should obviously brake. But what if the car spots a horse in a trailer driving down the road? Do, do we brake? Humans understand that instinctively. Humans know that there's a horse and a trailer supposed to be there, that's normal. How do you train a computer, a system to recognize that without getting a human involved to say horses and trailers? So these are all the edge cases. And so to design a system like that, we need to think, we have to train the system to think about these edge cases. So that means we need lots and lots of data. And so one of my favorite use cases is uh, we're working with some clients uh, in Germany that are trying to solve exactly these problems. And so they have put the Ezreal data fabric in the trunk of a car. They have deployed that to capture all of that information and process it in real Now it's not making decisions in real time, although it may be making shadow decisions as if, if I had done this, what would have been the outcome? But th- the beauty of this is I have a fleet of vehicles with my data fabric deployed in the trunks of those cars, collecting data, making shadow decisions, and then when those park at those cars park at the end of the day, they sync back up with the big brain. They send their data across, and then the big brain runs through all of these different scenarios. Maybe humans get involved, or the next day, different models are pushed out. And I can do what's called A-B testing, right? I can put, if decision A happens, do this. If decision B happens, do that. I can spread that across my fleet, or, as I mentioned, I can have decision B running in shadow mode. And so these are real-time decisions that these these systems can make while collecting massive, massive amounts of data. And so the collection and the processing of the data, these use cases get really, really clever where the trunk of my car is an edge location where I'm collecting and processing and eventually intelligence will be pushed into the car to do that. So, So Calvin, that is one of my favorite use cases where We are using the speed of machines and the the multiple parallel processing capability to run various scenarios in real time in these machines, delivering these real outcomes. Autonomous driving isn't quite here yet, not truly autonomous, hands off. So I think this is going to be a really interesting problem space that people should be looking at to see how this is solved. Because I think if we can figure out how to solve this with all of those edge cases, we will be able to apply that style of neural network to lots and lots of other different decisions, because essentially you're taking humans out of that edge-based location, and HPE Esmeral's a big
0: part of this. Uh, Matt, that example really helped me a lot. I mean, I'm, again, I think if people know me, I've got a long history in storage, and we're in storage going through a transformation too, because we're using um, AI ops to make decisions that in the past were far too complex for IT managers to make. So, using things like AI ops, it sounds to me like there's really a corollary here, although it's like we've talked about, it's maybe a little bit different, it's,
2: but it's everywhere, Calvin. It, it, it can be applied to almost every scenario. Where the, the hard part, so AI ops is, it's not an easy problem to solve, but it's easy because you're, you have all the data. It's already in machine form. It's easy to collect, and then you can you apply brilliant people against it. You're going to solve that problem. The the trick is where humans get involved, and I love talking about these doctors' offices and these clinicians because a lot of stuff is captured through either handwritten notes that are impossible. We all know the doctors have terrible handwriting, right? So it's it's that human aspect of capturing something in the analog world and digitizing it, whether it's a written note, whether it's verbal speech, and then applying intelligence against that. And so those are some of the hardest problems to solve for. Right? Images, videos, again, that's the analog world, digitizing that, making sense of that. But then we can simply put... Uh, intelligence and algorithms, and the use cases are totally endless. I I think some of the first use cases that really mainstreamed when data science became a thing, when AI really became a thing, was predictive maintenance. Everybody was trying to figure out how can I save a little bit of money by either preventing a machine from failing or not acting soon enough to waste money on spare parts. And there's there's the scenarios across every single industry and just having that data, being able to collect it from those areas. If it's in machine format, it becomes very easy. The trick is figuring out how to take that analog human behavior, digitizing that, and then using that to make recommendations and again, capturing it in that moment, if the moment passes the outcome, that recommendation from that algorithm may not be as re- relevant. So I, again, I, I think it's applicable to almost any scenario. We just have to look at the the common patterns across them and then apply those analytical models.
1: Yeah, to jump in, right, the the challenge is really when you have to capture the real world and make sense of the real world, right? Is this a burglar or is it just the family dead uh, dressing up as Zorro, right, Uh, for for Halloween, right, on a specific date or or carnival or whatever, it isn't part of the world. That's where it really gets tricky because you have the real-time aspect and you have to make sense of the real world, which is so much more data, again, than what we typically have on the system and the log side. And the exciting thing is that these things are coming together, right? And systems can learn and automate them, but it always comes back, sorry if you sound like record comes back to have data plane to bring these things together and know it's Halloween right now. So people might be dressing up, right? So don't, don't think the monkey escaped the zoo, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's right. And so, uh, you know, I often get asked, okay, Matt, I, that all sounds amazing. The marketing stuff sounds really interesting. I am a traditional organization with a reasonably sophisticated IT. How do we get started with this? How do we actually start going down this path? We got data everywhere. We got users everywhere. How do I bring this concept of unified analytics together? And and I think humans are probably the most important aspect of this approach. Before you apply technology like HPE's unified analytics, you need to unify your teams in some shape or form. You need to have people speaking a common vocabulary so that that line of business user who has a problem can speak clearly about what sort of outcome they expect and then our it person who can then translate that into systems they come together with data scientists and data stewards and data quality people we've got architects the key part here is to build these virtual teams around building products not like a snickers bar product but think about products that we're going to build based on that data and then design a system around that concept of a product perhaps bringing in KPIs from some parts of the organization so i need i need my data analysts in, involved to track the efficacy of this model i need to have my business process people involved because i have to change the way we operate if that analog or if that algorithm is going to make a decision in this moment i need my business to be able to react in that moment that requires change which is even harder than, than implementing the technology so We've got to take a step back and bring humans together to try and collaboratively figure out all the way at the front end and at the, uh, the, the back end of solving these problems, how do we improve the way we operate? then we can start applying technology such as Unified Analytics. We can deploy GreenLake in place to take that burden of managing a cloud off the shoulders of IT so they can be that broker. I, I think that's a key part of how these organizations get started. Then you apply the technology. Then you work with HPE. We've done this uh, over a 1,000 times for our customers. And so the first step is really let's get started and have a conversation. Let's bring these different people together to try and solve these specific problems.
0: Matt, that all resonates with me, and you reminded me a uh, uh, hesitate to share this, uh, but my son-in-law actually works on the HPE InfoSight team, and he's part of the team that writes these scripts that they're collecting billions of pieces of data from the infrastructure, and they take that uh, data, and he looks at it, and he finds where the issues are, and then he writes scripts that then goes out and looks at the in- installed base and says, look, these, these are issues where we, we uh, should have
2: had him on Calvin. We should have brought him in to have him talk about <laughs> that, the part he plays and that overall journey. He's one of many of those players. Sorry to interrupt you, but I think br- no, the that's... key to have these conversations is bring those subject matter experts in to have that conversation with your group. And I, and HPE is doing it inside ourselves. Right? So a lot of times people ask, well, give me a reference. We're doing it. Our products are better because of this, right? It's an HPE on HPE story. Uh, it's one of the other use cases we talked about. Sorry interrupting you, Calvin, I, but I think it, it's we're doing this ourselves. We're drinking our own champagne.
0: Yeah, and to me, what it does, it just brings us all together because, you know, you think about AI and what it is, and it's the movie version where it's just some computer off in the corner that's like screwing up and killing off humanity. There really are people behind this, and you do need smart people, and that's why this is such a burgeoning field, and I think the whole story you talked about with the customer going from two to 200 data scientists, that's what we need to make this work, right?
1: Yeah, everybody's hey, doing this, and, and people have to watch the space because it's crucial for their future success. Yep. So no question about that.
0: Well, I appreciate you guys joining us. This has been a, a great discussion. I mean, for me, when I host this stuff and I learn something, to me, it's a win-win. So uh, I love hosting this stuff, but it's even better when it get smart guys like uh, Holger and Matt on here that I learned something, so I'm sure the audience did. Thanks a lot, everybody, for joining us.
2: Thanks for having us. It was great.
0: Thanks for having us. You can find the podcast on Spotify Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Music and Audible, Podcast Attic. And great news, it was just added to iTunes Podcast. And if you really struggle to find it, go to feeds.transistor.fm slash around-the-it-block. Love hearing from you on Twitter, where you can find me as Calvin Zito. You can find our blogs at community.hpe.com. Until next time, thanks for joining me.